Hello, this is Aaron Saft on the MR Running Pains podcast. With 30 years of running experience and 20 years of coaching, I thought it time to share with you things I've learned and people I've met so that you can try things for yourself and see if they help your running. Thanks for joining me. Wrote this song while crew and Aaron on a 100-mile foot race through the trails in the rain and mud. How about that? episode is uh, with Kyle Judkins. Uh, Kyle is a family and sports medicine physician. He is also an osteopathic doctor or a DO. Um, Kyle is uh, went to the Virginia College of Osteopathic Medicine, uh, which is where my wife actually went. And uh, so I have I have a lot of dealings with uh, osteopathic medicine, obviously, having my wife as a, a family physician. And, um, you know, I, so I understand the profession a little bit uh, more. But it's great to talk to Kyle, and we can share that information with you guys so you know what osteopathic medicine offers to uh, to everyone uh, and um, in, uh, in contrast to the uh, allopathic medicine or your, your MD. Um, they're, they're both doctors, and uh, Kyle helps us distinguish the two and what uh, osteopathic medicine has to bring to the table. So um, really enjoyed this conversation with Kyle.
um, we got into some stuff and, and talked about some personal experiences and such. So, um, you know, nice, great conversation, very informative. And that's kind of what I want to bring to uh, the table with this podcast. Uh, you know, um, I feel like um, this podcast is a, a great way to share and disseminate some information um, and hopefully make your running uh, as best as it can be. Uh, you know what resources are available to you and what those resources can do for you. Uh, so if you have ideas um, for uh, guests you'd like to hear from or professions you'd like to learn about that you know can help us in our, our running journey, uh, please just reach out and, and let me know. Um, I've really enjoyed a lot of these conversations. I've learned a lot, obviously, uh, and I hope you are as well. Um, so um, had a great vacation last week. Um, hopefully... Uh, you enjoyed, uh, you parents and, and others that are thinking about kids enjoyed the conversation I have with my wife on the last podcast. Um, I really enjoyed talking with her. Uh, it was, uh, it was definitely tough to get her to come onto the podcast. She's very modest and doesn't like to, uh, to, uh, to share <laughs> her thoughts or, or be heard, uh, or talking to a microphone. So, um, again, I really appreciate her coming on. Um, running has been going okay. Um, yeah, I, uh, this, this thing that's going on with my hip, um, uh, my wife kind of thinks that it might be a, a, a permanency of, uh, just the way that, um, you know, over time my, uh, my body is, as, uh, as kind of dealt with running. Um, you know, I, I hopefully it's, it's not the case that, um, you know, it, it it's going to come and go, but, uh, still working on strength training, doing my, my physical therapy. I'm adding back in some of, uh, Jay DeSherry's, um, workouts. Uh, if, if you're familiar with Jay DeSherry, uh, he's got a great resource in the book running rewired. Um, if you don't have that book, you should put your hands on it, um, put it into your library. It is a great resource, not only for, uh, strength and core training, but plyometrics and, you know, dealing with, um, strengthening, uh, weaknesses and injury, uh, just a fantastic resource for all runners. So that's, uh, J Desherry, D I C H A R R Y. And the book is running rewired. Uh, really love that book. And, and, you know, I use it with a lot of my athletes. Uh, we do the hip circuit quite often and, uh, you can find the hip circuit on YouTube. If you, uh, if you just search J Desherry hip circuit, that will come up. Uh, it's a fantastic routine. Uh, I'll be doing it today. I'm, I'm recording on Wednesday, August 19th, this intro, and uh, that's it's on my schedule for today. So, um, you know, I, I not only assign it, but I, I do it myself. I believe in it. It's uh, it's definitely a great way to uh, to strengthen. But um, yeah, we've been really listening to other podcasts and stuff, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm just realizing the value. Um, you know, I've said it in the past of, of doing all the ancillary and doing a little bit of core each day. I'm trying to include a little bit of, of plank work each day if I'm not doing strength work. Um, but yeah, after each run, I'm, 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 you know, I'm stretching and foam rolling. I'm doing my banded warmups. Um, you know, you can see my banded warmup on YouTube. Um, there's also, um, David Roche's, um, YouTube, uh, banded warmup. That's a great routine as well. Um, you know, and, and I use a, a, a band called, um, spry, I think it's S P R Y. Uh, and it's the, um, Zerkluff, I think X R C U F F. Um, and, uh, you probably only need the yellow or the green, um, bands, but, um, they're, they're great for those warm up routines and, and kind of doing some of the, um, stuff that's, uh, in Jay DeSherry's book. You can also just use the TheraBand. Um, you know, I think in, uh, in some of my videos, I'm just using the TheraBand, but, um, 
you know, I'll, I'll make a, a link in the show notes about those resources. Uh, so, but, um, yeah, running, it's, it's just great to be running again. I'm going to be working on my aerobic base. So if you see me on Strava, just doing some 45 minute runs, you know, an hour, maybe an hour and a half every here and there, I'm just, I'm really going to work on my aerobic base and getting that back. Um, you know, I can tell, you know, just watching my heart rate, um, that, you know, it's, um, <laughs> it's definitely, um, I need to work on that aerobic base and then kind of get back to fitness in that regard. Uh, yeah, I kind of talked about that in the previous episodes as well, but, um, you know, it's, it's need to work my way down. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been off for about a month, so I, you know, picked up some, some extra weight from not, not running as much, uh, which is not helpful. So (laughs) hopefully I'll, uh, I'll cut that back as well. Um, but, um, it's just great to be running again. Uh, nice to get out there, you know, each day and just kind of go for whatever it is, half hour, 45 minutes. I'm just grateful for that. So, um, yeah. And, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's coming up on September. Uh, that's crazy. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, we've got, uh, next week and then, uh, it's going to be turned into September already. Um, so my September newsletter will be coming out. Uh, if you want to subscribe to that, you can go to my, uh, website, mrrunningpains.com. Um, I'll put that in the show notes as well, but, uh, the newsletter has just been getting, uh, you know, bigger and bigger, including more and more information, uh, tips, reviews, um, you know, just anything I can think of that, you know, has to do with, with running and, and helping you in your journey. So, um, you know, subscribe to that if you would. Um, uh, the YouTube channel, I've added, uh, um, kind of a post run stretching routine that, that I've had since, since college, uh, I'm going to do an alternate stretching routine as well. Um, but, uh, that's up on there. Um, I included also a video, um, from, uh, the hill plyometrics, um, that Lydiard suggests. Um, and that's, that's something that I'll be doing after my aerobic base. I'm going to spend a while here, you know, a number of weeks, uh, 10 to even 12 weeks here in the aerobic base phase. Cause I'm not in a rush for anything, but, uh, after that, I'll be working on the, the hill and that the idea there is to, uh, to work the skeletal muscles, uh, skeletal muscular system and, uh, and catch that up because, you know, we've worked cardio for so long that we need to kind of catch up the, the, the musculoskeletal system and, uh, and make that stronger and, and fitter and, uh, and prepared for, for more training, uh, hopefully reduce the, the risk of injury. So that video is on there. If you have questions on, on how to incorporate it after watching the video, of course, just reach out. Um, so far as coaching goes, uh, I do have a few spots, you know, it's, it's kind of that time of year where people are transitioning in and out. Uh, so if you're looking to, uh, to kind of get started and, and kind of some guidance on how to get ready for 2021, where hopefully races will be coming back, don't hesitate to reach out. You know, we'll, we'll start working on, on your aerobic base and, you know, you can join my journey in, uh, in trying to get fit and ready for 2021. So, uh, please, you know, send me an email runningpains at gmail.com. You can go through my website, mrrunningpains.com. Um, appreciate you guys listening. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kyle Judkins and, uh, I'll talk to you at the end. everybody I'd like to welcome to the show today dr kyle judkins d-o and c-a-q-s-m now we were just talking before the show here about uh c-a-q-s-m uh, i had not heard that an acronym uh, kyle what is that 
Yeah, so uh, thank you for having me on, first of all. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And, um, uh, so uh, CAQSM is just the uh, Certificate of Ad Added Qualification in Sports Medicine. So it's the certificate that you uh, earn when you do a sports medicine fellowship after residency. And we're going to be talking about that as well. Um, Kyle um, went to um, the uh, Virginia College of Osteopathic Medicine, uh, which is in Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, right with uh, Virginia Tech. That's where my wife went. So uh, really cool place. Uh, he is a doctor of osteopathic medicine. That's where the DO comes from, doctor of osteopathic. So um, first thing we want to hit you with is what is osteopathic medicine and how does it differ from allopathic medicine or uh, MD? Yeah. Um, so I I believe, much like your wife, I'm uh, a, a bit of a nerd uh, when it comes to <laughs> osteopathic medicine. I think and, I'm not. So I actually, just to give a little bit of backstory, I grew up in Maine, and, and um, a lot of the doctors that I had growing up were actually DOs. And um, so from a, from a really young age, I saw osteopathic doctors um, treating, and I'll talk about what that means in a second, treating my, my parents, um, treating me. Um, and uh, I knew that that was something that I wanted to um, incorporate um, into my life if I were to become a doctor. And when I made the decision to go to medical school, um, I only, you know, I, I was looking at DO schools and, and um, uh, knew that that's what I wanted to do. So osteopathic medicine is a, um, there's two branches in medicine, really. There's allopathic and osteopathic. Allopathic is the MD medical doctor that everyone is pretty familiar with. Um, uh, and then DO is doctor of osteopathic medicine or doctor of osteopathy. Um, the, the principles started somewhere around the 1840s, 1850s. And then after the civil war, um, was when it really picked up, um, Dr. Uh, Andrew Taylor Still was the founder. First school opened in like the 1890s. Um, and really it was born out of, you know, back then the medicine that was treating infectious disease, anything was, was really awful. I mean, it was, it was essentially poison um, and, um, or alcohol or a combination of mercury and poison and alcohol. And uh, it, it wasn't working very well. So he looked to the body and looked for solutions. So he made major connections between function or structure and function, um, all the way down to, you know, the blood vessels and the nerves that provide sustenance to the muscles and the body and the organs. And so he, he adjusted, he developed a, a, um, a field of medicine that was different from MD. He was actually an MD himself, uh, and was an MD in the civil war. And then he developed this field where he would adjust structure to you know, a, to alter function. So he was treating anything from sore backs and sore, you know, wrists and knees to uh, diphtheria and uh, infectious disease only using manipulation. Um, so, you know, over the years, this has obviously evolved quite a bit. Science has come a long way. Medicine has come a long way. So now in medical schools and osteopathic medical schools, the curriculum is, is very similar in many ways. Um, we get two whole years of teaching in manipulation, osteopathic manipulation, um, which um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about as we go here, but um, it's, it's just another, it's an added little um, 
perspective on uh, pathology and healing um, that MDs um, haven't historically gotten. Although I will say that a lot of the medical schools are doing a really good job of teaching, you know, you know how how to get to the root of the problem and thinking about the whole body. Um, but uh, so the elevator speech is it's it's a second it's a second branch of medicine. Um, you know, you go to medical school at a different kind of medical school, but then when you go to residency, you can go, you know, I went to Wake Forest, so there's a lot of mostly MDs there. There were several DOs as well, but you get training after medical school um, at a residency program that is either only osteopathic or both osteopathic and allopathic. You can go into any specialty that you want, whether it's neurosurgery or pediatrics or family medicine or psychiatry, and then you can do post uh, post uh, training as well in a fellowship. Um, so you may have been to a DO and not even known it as uh, another way of looking at it. <laughs> it all started back in, uh, was it Kirksville, Missouri? Is that right? Or Missouri? Right, yeah, Kirksville, Missouri was the first. There's a couple of maneuvers called the Kirksville Crunch uh, that are pretty helpful in relieving upper back pain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, you were talking about your um, your differentiation uh, of, of training from uh, from an MD, and you had mentioned the um, osteopathic manipulation um, training, which um, OMT is referred to. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about that? What is that, and and what did you learn? How do you apply it? Yeah, so um, it, it's it is a um, a way of looking at the body in terms of, like I said, structure and function. So. Um, the best analogy I think I've ever heard is if you're building a house, right? Or if you're looking to repair an old house, maybe that's more of an apt analogy. Um, if the, if the foundation is crooked, you know, you can expect that the roof is going to be crooked too. So you can trace kinetic chains through the body. You know, if someone's coming in with a headache, does that just mean that there's a problem with their head, you know, <laughs> uh, or does it mean that they sprained their ankle three weeks ago and they haven't recovered from that injury? And then there's been this kinetic pathway up the body uh, that has resulted in tight suboccipital and upper back muscles causing tension headaches. So, you know, that's kind of what osteopathic manipulative therapy focuses on. You know, we go through, we spend two years learning all the different you know, uh, ways to diagnose somatic dysfunctions, which are, you know, um, you know, uh, specific, specifically diagnosable entities in the spine and the extremities, um, that you can treat, um, to make pain go away, to increase function of the body. Um, so there's a lot of similarities in, in uh, you'll see some similarities in chiropractics. There's some techniques that are pretty similar to chiropractics. And then in the physical therapy world, a lot of the physical therapists are doing a lot of these, uh, incorporating a lot of these manipulation techniques into their um, practices um, very effectively. And um, so there's a lot of overlap now. Um, but you, you know, if I were to give someone a treatment who has never been to a DO, they'd probably say, oh, this is similar to when I had that treatment at my physical therapist, or, you know, there's some things there that I had with my chiropractor. And, um, so, um, there's definitely some overlap. Absolutely. I'll, I'll give the listeners an, an example of my own. Um, I've been, you know, kind of going through my journey of late, I've had, uh, this kind of hip and calf injury. Um, the calf came around because of the hip. Um, my pelvis, uh, was rotated, uh, the one hemisphere rotated internally 
and was forcing that calf to drive down a little bit harder. And that was causing the calf injury. Um, and so we were, you know, uh, I went to Miriam, my, my physical therapist, and, and we determined that there's a, you know, there's a, uh, strength discrepancy in that side. And that's why it keeps rotating on me. And so we're working on the strength of it. But in the meantime, um, Beth was using OMT to try to correct the, the pelvis itself. So it goes back into position and I don't have that discomfort, um, which, you know, it's not, it wasn't a chiropractic move in, in which she was trying to pop something or, you know, do a pubic synthesis and, and bring the, you know, that back together. It was just um, working the muscles and moving the muscles in ways that would manipulate the hip back into, or the pelvis back into its position. Um, so, you know, that's, that's how OMT can be used. Uh, there's a billion different other ways as you're describing you know, the neck, the shoulders, the back, you know, using muscle energy to correct something rather than use a chiropractic move to, you know, to adjust. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very effective and, um, it's not as I would say, um, uh, in, intrusive <laughs> as, as a chiropractic move sometimes. <laughs> so yeah. I, I kind of appreciate the, uh, the subtlety of OMT rather than getting on a table and just being like, pop, pop, <laughs> you know, so, um, and, and I'll say like a lot of the, um, you know, it depends on what book you read, but if you're coming at it from an osteopathic perspective, um, and there's some great books out there about the history of it. Um, chiropractics, the guy who started chiropractics and the guy who started osteopathy were sort of developing stuff at the same time. Um, and you'll see a lot of similarities in a lot of the techniques. Um, but in general, what I've learned is one of the differences, but again, not, not a difference with every chiropractor. There's some really good chiropractors out there and there's some not so good DOs out there too. Um, <laughs> And so, but in general, what I've learned is it's very much, if you're going to be using high velocity techniques, which is the cracking and the popping that you are, you know, pretend that you're mentioning, it's all about localization. And so, you know, it's, it's about very small movements that are not supposed to be painful or scary. Um, and you're isolating one segment or, you know, maybe up to three segments at a time. And, and so there's definitely some differences in how we approach, um, those high velocity maneuvers. And you're, you're also the, um, looking at the body as a whole, as you said, you know, it, it, it could be an ankle sprain that's causing this headache, you know, three weeks later it's, you know, it's just had this kinetic chain up. So you're looking at the body as a whole. And as you said earlier, you're using the body itself to try to heal itself. Um, yeah. Is, and that's, that's a great, that's a, that's a great point is, is, you know, I tell all of my patients who come in for manipulation that I'm, you know, I'm not, fixing you i am removing barriers to your body healing itself and and i think that perspective actually helps a lot because um you know a lot of people will get kind of sucked into going 30 or 40 times a year to uh you know, a chiropractor and it's like well i need to get fixed every week I, I can't i can't not go every week or else my, my body will fall apart i have no control over that and it's well and that may lead into some of your questions about physical therapy but um you know i think that 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 perspective of osteopathy certainly um, is different. Right. Yeah. No, you're looking at it systemically, you know, as the body as a whole, which is, is fantastic, you know, rather than just um, is the, you know, is the neck, you know, is there something in the neck that needs to be corrected? Uh, and like you said, I, I don't mean to take anything away from chiropractics because no. there's not really a place for chiropractics. And so I, I mean, no slight to that, you know, <laughs> that profession in any way. Uh, no. but, um, 
Um, so, um, well, I mean, we can, we can kind of talk about, um, well, we, let's just, we'll keep going on the, uh, uh, so if an injury does, you know, present itself in a patient, but it, it it's coming repeatedly, you know, kind of like what we were just saying is that, you know, the person feels like they need to keep getting adjusted. Um, are you, you know, are you more apt to, well, you know, we kind of just talked about, you're not looking at just the, the symptoms you're trying to figure out the, you know, what's the root, correct? Yeah. Um, and I think the, sometimes that is difficult to get to, or you may have an idea of what that is and you end up not being right about it. Um, I have a patient right now that I've seen a couple times who, um, she's very young, very active, probably 35 years old. And, you know, she's having some, you know, left-sided SI pain, that's sacroiliac pain. And so low back pain. And it started when she was pregnant with her second child and never really, um, got better after delivery. And so, um, <clears throat> that's a pretty common complaint for women who have had children. The, the sacrum and the low back can be really altered by, you know, this, albeit a natural process, but still it can be quite traumatic to the woman's body. So, um, you know, we've been working on correcting her, you know, sacroiliac joint over the past several weeks. Um, and, um, and she's doing well. And I think part of that is, is understanding what the key lesion is. And that's, that's a word that is thrown around in some osteopathic circles more than others. Some, it depends what school you go to kind of like, it's like Chicago is all about the lumbar. And then, you know, a lot of other people like recom is very much about the sacrum and the SI joint, uh, and the pelvis as sort of the keystone of the, of the body. Um, but I think, yeah, trying to get to the root of the problem, you know, just like a good, a good, you know, on, on my family medicine or other sports medicine side of things, like that's important to do too. And so applying those osteopathic principles to, you know, family medicine and, um, sports medicine other than osteopathic medicine, you know, is, is, uh, is super important because you're, you're going to miss, you're either going to put a bandaid on it and it's going to come back or, um, uh, you know, you're going to frustrate and frustrate the customer and <laughs> or not the customer, the patient and lose, lose, lose a customer per se. Um, so. Well, it's, I, it's, it's been, it's been fun to watch, um, Beth's journey, uh, you know, as a, as a doctor, um, she's been practicing for 10 years now and, um, you know, seeing that when she started, uh, you know, patients would come in and they were, they were just looking for that simple silver bullet, right? That, that, you know, that painkiller, we'll call it, uh, to just, you know, dull this pain, just, you know, like make it, make it go away, you know, just give me the medicine that will, but, you know, she started with, you know, using the OMT to alleviate back pain, neck pain, headaches, uh, you know, and those patients were so much more appreciative that they didn't have to take that medication you know, they could, they could just, you know, Oh, the, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, that was what the problem was, you know, that there was some kind of malalignment in the body. Um, do you still, do you see that type of thing uh, today as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, um, and I think that gives the patient a lot of, uh, hope too, that it's not something that, um, they have to take medicine for. And, and sometimes it does take some convincing, um, you know, I have another patient who's been on, unfortunately, has been on narcotics for uh, decades, 
And um, she, she's actually not my patient per se as a family medicine doctor, but she's come to me for um, osteopathic manipulation. And, um, and I had a frank conversation with her up front. And I was like, it's, you know, we're going to have a lot of challenges with you being on this medication, um, you know, because you're going to have more pain because that's the way this medication works. It upregulates your pain receptors and therefore you need more of that medication to, to keep the pain down. And, and she understands that and she's actively trying to come off of it. But the fact, and I was really expecting this, this first treatment to just not go very well. And I was like, oh, she's, this is going to be a tough patient. And, and, you know, I don't think that, I don't think she had an immense amount of relief right away, but, but her response to the treatment was so positive and it was just so nice to, to, uh, you know, I think she just was realizing suddenly that my hands on her, you know, and, and someone actually trying to fix the problem, um, getting back to your question, um, was, was buy-in for the patient. And, um, and if there's any kind of placebo at work here, then let's do it, you know, <laughs> let's, you know? so that's, the, so I, I think that that's a, that's a really important point. It, I, you know, I, I don't think, and that's, you know, point of the podcast here is that people don't realize that this option is available. And so, you know, I, I think this is great that, you know, you can expound and, and say as much as you want about, you know, what you do, how you do it, what you try to resolve, how you resolve it. Um, you know, goes deep into detail because I mean, people are interested and want to know. You know, what other alternatives to just taking, <laughs> just taking like a painkiller, or you know, so because it felt like that's what the solution was. You know, like when I prior to knowing that DOs existed, when I had an injury, you know, it was like you know, here's here's some painkillers. You know, like just take this and take two weeks off. You know, like right. as a runner, that's not what I want to hear. <laughs> you know, wow. like I like. You know, I, I like, especially if it's a recurring injury, like we were talking about earlier, you know, like I don't want that to come back. So, uh, but let's talk about the sports medicine side of things. Cause yeah. you're, you're also, uh, as you were talking about with, uh, CAQSM, uh, you have a sports, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have a sports medicine background too. So, um, can you define that role? What is your role as a, as a sports medicine physician? Sure. So, um, yeah, and, and sports medicine physician is actually the newly minted uh, uh, title um, from the American Medical, so, or the, let's see, the AMSSM, um, the sports medicine governing body that sort of we look to. Um, the so it's it's there's there's orthopedists who are surgeons who can go into sports medicine, and then there's uh, primary care sports medicine, and and I think the reason why it changed to sports medicine physician. Um, was because there's a lot of folks who are coming from different realms like emergency medicine and, um, uh, and, and physical medicine rehabilitation going into these fellowships um, uh, for sports medicine. So it's, a, it's an added year that you do after, usually it's a family medicine residency, but it can be emergency medicine, PM&R, pediatrics, uh, internal medicine as well. And uh, you do a year of training. I did mine with with uh, Aaron Vaughn and Jess Nath at um, at Mayhek. Turn on that light there. Um, and uh, it's it's focusing on um, musculoskeletal medicine, um, injury prevention, treatment of injury. This is all you know, obviously non-operative. Um, but there's also in the past ten to fifteen years, there's been a huge focus on ultrasound and um, ultrasound musculoskeletal ultrasound as a way to diagnose or help you 
diagnose certain problems, uh, musculoskeletal problems, and also to help guide interventional therapies uh, such as uh, injections um, or um, needle tenotomies, different different therapies that you can use um, to achieve your goals. Um, so, yeah, so it's a year, and you take a test at the end of the year. If you pass the test, you do you get the uh, the CAQSM, um, and um, really, a lot, most people who do it uh, who are from coming from family medicine. Um, I forget the actual percentages, but, but a lot of people continue to do family medicine. There are some folks who, who decide to completely not do family medicine, and then they just basically act like a, um, a non-operative orthopedist. And a lot of those folks will end up in um, ortho offices um, and doing great work because they still bring that perspective of family medicine, which of all the specialties really focuses on the whole patient because you have to know the whole patient. Um, but they end up working in non-op ortho um, and, and sort of collaborating more with orthopedic surgeons uh, on a daily basis. Um, but, uh, but you know, the, the, the fellowship training and what we do also incorporates things like nutrition, um, uh, you know, malnutrition in athletes, which is a huge thing, female athlete triad, uh, energy deficiencies. Um, you know, there's some, there's, there are, there's a focus on fracture management and, you know, non-operative fracture management. And, and then a huge part of the training is about how much do we take care of and when do we refer? And so I think that's a really important part of the training too, because a good, a good sports medicine physician will refer, uh, later, <laughs> I feel like than a lot of other providers because they can take care of a little bit more. Um, but also the referrals are, are nicely set up, you know, for the, for the special, for the subspecialist to, to deal with. Um, so, um, yeah, I think I answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tie my personal story in there, but how much would you say that, um, your role as a sports medicine physician, um, crosses over into physical therapy? Is that still a separate entity or do you still do a, a you know, maybe a little bit of, uh, physical um, therapy in suggesting maybe some, um, some exercises that they could do or some stretches. Is that within your wheelhouse or do you refer out for that? That's a great question. Um, I think I want to, you know, be upfront and clear that like, even though I have maybe more musculoskeletal training than, you know, some folks, because I did a fellowship, uh, it's complete, it's still completely different from not completely. It, it's very different from what therapists, physical therapists go through for their training. They're, they're doctors of physical therapy. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of patients don't realize that, that they have their doctorate. Um, and so I don't pretend with my patients to know everything that a therapist knows. And I think that that's really important when you're trying to get a patient better, um, is, is not overstepping your scope of practice. But if it's something that's pretty finitely diagnosable, like carpal tunnel or, uh, you know, Dequervin's tenosynovitis in the thumb here, you know, some uh, tendonitis in the, in the, in the thumb, um, there are some very, very specific exercises that are sort of pre-prescribed that I can recommend for the, for the patient to do. But I will, I will very much often uh, refer for more complex cases. Um, uh, a, a low back pain by nature is complex. And so I try to get most of my 
patients who I'm, even if I'm treating them with OMT, I try to get as many of them as I can into physical therapy. Um, so I think it depends if I, if I actually, if I prescribe like a home exercise program for them, um, it'll be a pretty simple problem, um, that, uh, or, or the patient just doesn't want to go to physical therapy yet. And I'm going to try to create some buy-in by having them see that they can actually improve with some exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And so it's just knowing your boundary and, and knowing where, you know, your role ends and where, you know, physical therapy or, you know, if they need to go to an orthopedic surgeon, you know, where that boundary. Right. And, and, uh, and I communicate a lot with, and that's something I really learned from, from Aaron and Jess, actually, um, the, 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 the importance of communication with the therapists is so key in developing those relationships because you can, you can talk on the phone about these patients and suggest to each other what might be a nice next move or the therapist may come back at me and say, we've brought him to this point. I really think that for his Achilles tendinopathy, I think some, you know, a prolotherapy or PRP would be really effective at this point. And, and it's a nice team-based approach, uh, to care. That's cool. Um, so, uh, Dr. Judkins here is referring to Aaron Vaughn, who is, um, another, um, sports medicine physician, uh, and family doctor as well. He took the, the family, uh, physician route. Um, Dr. Vaughn is uh, going to be on the show here coming up. Uh, he's another guest we'll have. Um, he is my primary care physician and, um, my sports medicine physician as well. Um, when I was injured last year, uh, a lot of people will remember, uh, right before UTMB, I had a knee injury and, um, I went to see Dr. Vaughn to figure out what was going on. Cause I had this pain and it just wouldn't subside. And I don't like anything that hurts my knee. <laughs> so, um, Dr. Vaughn used the, um, uh, the, ultrasound, uh, imaging, uh, within my knee to, to see what was going on. If there was something that was, you know, causing this irritation and sure enough, you know, based on this image, he could tell that there was some calcification of my patellar tendon, which was annoying the patellar, um, the, the kneecap itself. Um, and then also causing fluid to build underneath the kneecap and causing that irritation and, and, you know, pain that I was having. So, um, you know, we had a, a course of action, which, um, obviously, you know, it, it got me going and I got through EMB. So, uh, but it was, it was great to be able to have a one-stop shop. <laughs> you know, I didn't have to go anywhere else. It was, you know, like Dr. Vaughn was able to diagnose, assess, uh, and remedy it, uh, you know, all in house, which was fantastic. It's there's also been cases where he sent me on to, you know, uh, Miriam, my physical therapist and said, you know, this is, you know, this is what it is and she'll be able to, to, you know, take care of you in this situation. So, um, yeah. So, and I mean, having that, that dual background though, I mean, you can help, um, athletes in a number of ways. I went in for something completely different. Uh, you know, I was having a completely separate issue and he, he kept coming in the room and saying, do you ever feel like your heart skips a beat? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, you, you've asked me like three times, should I say yes? Cause I'm like, like, I like, not that I know of, but so anyhow, um, you know, he sent me to a, a cardiologist, uh, where, and I walked in and I was probably the youngest person there by uh, at least 40 years, <laughs> you know, and everybody's looking at me like, are you in the right spot? <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, I had a, um, 
uh, echocardiogram and uh, I have the enlarged heart, the endurance athletes enlarged heart. So I was getting that strange, uh, you know, rhythm in my, my heartbeat because it just takes longer for it to fill up with volume and then release, you know, so I have that thump, thump, <laughs> rather than yeah. the thump. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Wow. You know, it's, it was neat that I could, you know, have that assessment there as well, because I went in for a totally different reason, you know, but you right. know, finding right. that was also, you know, it was, it's, you know, it, it, it didn't change anything, but, you know, it's good to know that, you know, if something presents itself, uh, he, you know, he caught it. So they can catch other things. Which is my point. And, and, and I, <laughs> uh, I think that, uh, and that brings up a good point that I like to point out to people who are you know, inquisitive about this is, uh, you know, that the two inform each other, the two fields inform each other quite a bit. Um, a great simple example is someone who wants to lose weight and, you know, lower their blood pressure, for instance, that's, that's family medicine role here. And then, you know, all family medicine doctors are trained really well on how to coach, um, patients on how to do this and make suggestions, um, refer when necessary to dietary, you know, to nutrition or whatnot. But, um, you know, let's say that you're trying to lose weight and you're exercising and you, and you hurt your knee. Um, you know, you can, you can use this a little bit of, you know, added training, uh, whether it's osteopathic manipulation or the sports medicine side and, you know, um, using things like an injection, although you can make the argument that a steroid injection is, is killing the pain and, and what else is it really doing? But it's also getting you to a level where you can do the therapy and that you can strengthen the appropriate muscles and you can actually stay active. Um, and so at times, you know, you can use, you can be creative about your treatment regimens and help people be more active, help people stay pain-free so that they can achieve their other goals in life, which is, you know, losing weight and lowering their blood pressure, for instance. So um, I really do think that they, you know, one one makes the other better. Um, and whether you're a family medicine doctor who just has an interest in sports medicine or whether you're a sports medicine doctor who uh, also sees primary care patients, um, I, I think that, uh, yeah, that's just a really important um, relationship. Absolutely. And I, I should note that, you know, um, when, when I went in for my knee, he mentioned that, you know, uh, a cortisone injection into the knee you know, it could be uh, a last ditch effort, you know, for me to, to, to use if I was still having that pain, um, you know, we could drain the, the fluid off the knee and take a cortisone ejection, but he wanted to try other steps first. So that, that's, that's what I really appreciated, you know, was the fact that it, it wasn't the go-to, you know, like I, I've been to doctors that are just like, let's get to the cortisone injection. I'm like, yeah. is there any other way, <laughs> you know? So yeah. Um, yeah. Appreciate that that you know that the the education that you all has received does not put the you know the cortisone injection as the the primary go to because I mean obviously there are other side effects that that cortisone presents um, but it's you know so having that that combination like you said it is it's it's great because you can I mean you know I can see you as a family physician but I can also see you for you know a sports related injury um, it's a nice tie. So, yeah. Um, and I have Kyle five miles from my house. So, <laughs> <laughs> right off of uh, Boylston Highway in Mills River. <laughs> yep. He is five miles from my house here in Mills River. So, uh, 
<laughs> um, let's see. So uh, we talked about how you know there there can be um, a team approach um, with with PTEs and and such. Um, and so um, let's talk about more of the you know we were talking earlier how um, we you approach medicine holistically. Um, and so, um, how can, how can we as athletes, um, live our lives with a more holistic approach? What are some things that we can do to, you know, be more holistic in our lifestyles? Yeah. Um, I think that the first place my mind goes, uh, when I hear that question is, um, is to try to achieve simplicity and, um, that's so much easier said than done, of course. Um, but I think holistic, what does holistic really mean? It it means, you know, I'm sure we could look up an actual definition here, but (laughs) you know, to me, it means really incorporating, you know, as a doctor, incorporating the whole picture. So whether that's, um, you know, the patient who is a single parent and has to work and now has to figure out how to deal with, you know, COVID and kids not being at school or, you know, whatever those stressors or family tree or, uh, pre, you know, predisposing conditions present. Um, how do I take that patient now and apply the appropriate, you know, uh, treatment? Um, so it's not going to be different for every, it is going to be different for everyone. It's not going to be the same template. You can't just apply the same template to every single person. Um, so when we talk about athletes, same thing goes, um, you're, you are a complete, well, you're a completely different beast than most people, but, (laughs) but, uh, and I want to come back to that story that I have, I have a good story about you that you may not know, but, um, (laughs) um, you know, when you're talking about athletes, their goals are going to be so different. Their, their, um, you know, past experiences with injury, their past experiences with training, are going to be really different. Um, so when I have someone come in, who's an athlete, you know, one of, one of my most valuable questions is, has anything like this happened to you before? Or (laughs) what other injuries you had? How have you dealt with those things before? Do you go into a dark hole of depression or are you pretty okay with doing what you need to do to, to, to deal with it? And how are you how are you with taking time off? Um, you know, is that something that you want to do or is, are you going to try to, are you going to, are you going to basically not do what I recommend? You know, so I'm not going to, someone who has a race in a week, who's at, for instance, your, your level of running, uh, unless it's like a broken bone. I mean, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to say, well, you just can't run anymore. You know, <laughs> right, right. Just, it's like, you might as well just have not seen that patient. Like, <laughs> had negative help for that. And yes, you're probably right. Not running for the rest of your life may decrease your, your knee pain. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that makes no sense. So, <clears throat> so, you know, for, for Aaron Saft, what is that whole picture? Uh, you know, for Kyle Judkins, what is that whole picture? They're going to be very different things. And, um, and that will completely change how you approach that patient's injury. Um, and I think the emotion we touched on, the emotional component of that, um, which is another added benefit of the family medicine training, is, uh, is huge. Um, and um, because people have a lot of emotional attachment to their bodies. 
and uh, pain can be very scary um, just based on what it could mean for their future, uh, you know, um, athletic endeavors or just the fact that there's pain and you don't know what it is. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, within coaching, you know, I, I like my athletes to look at everything within their lives. You know, we, we've, we keep hearing article after article and, and, you know, uh, podcasts that talk about stress, stress, is stress running is stress your you know your kids can be stress your work can be stress um you know everything we have it adds up you know we keep adding all of this stress so i want them to look at that as the big picture right it's how much how much stress is coming from the outside can we tolerate more training based on how much stress you already have in your life is that tolerable for your life or are you going to shut down is your body going to fatigue too much because you've had you know too much stress outside of running. Um, and we try to increase your running, you know, now we're adding even more stress into the system. So, you know, beyond that, we want to talk about, you know, how much sleep are you getting? Are you getting enough sleep? Uh, you know, how is your nutrition? Are you, you know, are you eating the proper amounts of, of protein, carbohydrates, you know, getting in all of your, your nutrients and, and vitamins. Uh, and I, I, like I've had, um, Jake, um, on in the past, he's a, a registered nutrition. Uh, mm. um, not, he's a nutritionist. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, he's a nutritionist, and, he, and he's talked about this type of stuff. And he's he's helped a number of my athletes. Um, but you know, nutrition is a huge component, as well as hydration. You know, all of these factors. When we talk about you know a holistic approach, when we talk about you know training and life, like all of these factors have to come into it. You know, are you taking care of yourself and, you know, stretching, uh, foam rolling, all of those little, little ancillary things, strength training, you know, all of these components, uh, you know, they, they form the system and they, they form the athlete. And as you said, no athlete is alike. I can't train, you know, uh, the athlete a the same as athlete B, because, you know, if I gave the same strength training protocol for athlete a, like, you know, they may not be able to respond as well as athlete B. So, you know, it's when we look at all of this stuff, it's looking at the whole system and, you know, like, so for my athletes and for anybody listening, you have to consider all of those. Um, so, you know, and having a, a, a physician such as yourself in, in your life is a valuable resource because, you know, if something comes along and it's, you know, it doesn't have to be uh, injury related. It could be anything you can see you and it may correlate to your athletic life. Um, Exactly. Um, so, um, so, so, path. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've learned a lot over the years. <laughs> so, um, let's, let's talk about some, some of, uh, of the injuries here, um, uh, which, um, you know, some of us, uh, well, okay, all of us, <laughs> we tend to run through uh, uh, an injury or, uh, you know, what we'll call a niggle. <laughs> um, yeah. I had not heard the term before. I had to look it up. We refer to a, um, a uh, what we don't want to, um, I guess, uh, appropriately term injury, we refer to it as a niggle. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> we, we have this niggle <laughs> that's bothering us. Uh, and you know, it, it, what, at what point, where is the line that we should draw, uh, in which we come visit you? Um, you know, what, what signs should we look for that say, all right, this is getting beyond the point of, uh, you know, I shouldn't potentially be running on this or running as much as I am and I need to come see help. Yeah. Um, 
I think the easy, the easy answer, uh, but may not be the best answer is going to be, you know, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, and I'll look on that, but I think that, you know, if you're, if you get that different kind of pain, uh, and, and most people who are athletes and maybe people who are not yet, and, but are getting into it, they may need more coaching, but in general, those folks are going to be a little bit more cautious about pain. So when you're talking about more elite athletes or even just really active people who, who enjoy working out and exercising, um, you know, there, there's this, there's this little switch that goes off that, you know, you, you know, that the pain is not a good thing. I think to expound on that a little bit, um, and to give a little bit more objectivity to it, um, you know, there's certainly pain that will go away as you run and then won't really come back. Um, the little tweak in your ankle or your, so, you know, your anterior hip or, you know, the low back that sort of works itself out. And I, I think if, if the pain, if we're talking about a run, you know, say you're going on a, six mile run and um you know the first half a mile you feel pretty good and then you have a pain that starts to nag you let's say in your achilles uh your left achilles and you run through and you're like all right usually this kind of goes away let me just keep going a little bit if it just keeps getting worse um and it it it's making it's changing your stride it's changing your mechanics i think that's a that's an important thing to realize. And that's when you should probably slow down and see if the pain goes away or stop and walk. Um, or in my case, which I should have done, call my wife to come get me, but I didn't. And <laughs> I had a calf injury, but um, you know, so I think that if, if, if it's changing your mechanics and you are literally hobbling through your run, um, then then that's a good that's a good point to realize that you're probably going to be doing a lot more damage. Um, now the other side of this is um, we always kind of joke in sports medicine, but not really joke uh, that nerve pain and tendon pain are two kinds of pains you shouldn't push through. And so nerve pain is is a little bit more difficult to like you know understand for a lot of people, but it's that kind of like burning sensation that may shoot down from your back into your foot. Um, uh, and now, but then tendon pain is, you know, basically pain in a tendon that, uh, feels kind of like a sharp, um, may feel a little bit swollen or hot. Um, it tends to get better as you warm up, may even go away. And then at the end of a, a run or a bike or whatever you're talking about here, um, it tends to, when you're, when you're done, it tends to come back twofold. Um, so if you notice that cycle in your workouts where you're like, all right, my Achilles always hurts in the beginning of the run, then it goes away. And then at the end of the run, it's fine. But then like I sit down and have a beer and then stand up and it's like really bad. That's, that's another signal that like, okay, you probably need to address this. Um, so I think the I think the major thing though is is you know if your mechanics change while you're exercising that's a good signal to to turn back, and then if you're experiencing that kind of cycle of pain where whether it's a tendon or not you know whether your the pain is is coming back worse than it was before your run or before your exercise session, that's probably not a good trajectory you want to be on. Right. Yep. That's. But you, but you asked a great question, and this is like the holy grail of <laughs> of sports medicine. Is like if I can predict, 
that this pain that you're having right now is going to become a major problem, then, um, you know, I'll, I'll be on Oprah, but, you know, I, I, but, you know, coaches are often, uh, they've gotten a lot better about this, I think, in some of the, the big box sports like football and, and baseball, but, you know, working through that pain, um, I mean, the things that some people have, have played through, um, uh, pushed through by a coach who has no medical training whatsoever, <laughs> you know, so, but still, when, even when you're talking about an individual athlete, you know, like a runner, um, they usually want to push themselves hard and, uh, and you kind of say, all right, well, that pain will go away. That'll go away. Or it's not going to be a long-term thing. It's fine. Um, and oftentimes it's not, so you got to pay attention to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, I'll, I, I have an example, you know, uh, just today I, I had a conversation with one of my athletes, um, has had, um, knee pain. Um, but was, was told, um, you know, by, uh, his physical therapist that, you know, was okay to, to train because we weren't at high volume or, you know, doing really anything, um, too strenuous workout wise, but you know, that it was okay to keep training, but the pain persisted, you know, and uh, I think it, it persisted too long and, you know, he, like it's hard, I guess it's hard for, myself as a coach to say, you know, like, you know, should we take time off, you know, cause the athlete doesn't want to hear that obviously. Um, you know, it, it, and you know, I, I've understood my role, which is kind of part of the next, uh, you know, question we're going to talk about is that, you know, like, I'm not a doctor. I realize that I'm not one here to assess injury or whether a person should be running through. All I can say is that like throw some ice on it, <laughs> you know, like, and get get like a professional opinion. Like, is it something that you can keep training or, you know, should you take time off? Like, yeah. So like, I mean, there's times where like, I know that, that, you know, the injury is like, all right, let's take some downtime, you know, probably should get it assessed just to make sure it's nothing worse than what, you know, we, we can, you know, can see what it is right now. But, um, it, uh, like often, and this is, you know, the, the question I had for you was, um, the, uh, there's, <laughs> there's this, I, I, there's this thing called WebMD. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody seems to have access to it and everybody seems to have gone through medical training. Cause you know, like I'll get these like self-assessments that, you know, they have this like, you know, rare, you know, injury that like only 1% of, you know, the world population ever has, but they have it. So, um, it, I like, I can't imagine that, you know, either self-diagnosis through WebMD. Uh, or, you know, seeking out your, uh, your group on Facebook and asking them, Hey, like, I've got this spot on my knee, you know, and it's, it's this circle right here. <laughs> what do you think it is? What advice would you have to our WebMDers and, uh, and, and Facebook askers? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think first of all, um, the experiences that, you have as an athlete yourself and other athletes that perhaps interact with your athletes are definitely valuable. Um, and I think that you have a really healthy perspective on that. Like, you know, okay, knee pain, I've had knee pain before. Um, but you, but you, but you understand enough about sports medicine to know that not all knee pain is the same just because it's the knee, right? There's lots of different parts in the knee. So I think, you know, first of all, it's, it's, 
the getting some almost some injury camaraderie a little bit can can actually be somewhat helpful if the person is uh, is not um, you know playing playing doctor or physical therapist. Um, so I think I, the other side of this is that um, if there's if there's an injury that is is changing the way you're exercising or your mechanics or um, you know is really bothering you emotionally, um, then you know sure do your do your research. Um, come up with a list of questions based on that, and whether it's WebMD, whether you have access to other resources that perhaps are a little bit more rigorous, uh, and then bring them to. A professional. You can start with your family med doctor. Like the family medicine doctor is trained, um, you know, very well in musculoskeletal medicine, and and so like if if it's something that they feel strongly that they can handle, um, then that's something they will handle. And then otherwise, maybe you'll get to a physical therapist, maybe they'll get to a sports medicine doctor, maybe an orthopedist. Um, but I think you know coming up with those questions from WebMD can be helpful because you get a sense of you know, what, what's out there on the menu. Um, but I think you have to, you have to approach it with a healthy bit of skepticism because, um, you know, I think cancer is always going to be on that list, <laughs> uh, WebMD and, you know, that's, you know, definitely not always the case. Um, so, um, I, I think, I think if you want to look at it, it's not like you should avoid it at all costs. It's not like wrong information. It's just so broad and so nebulous. It's difficult to apply the URL entry of knee pain, uh, you know, to your, to your situation. Um, yes, it could be patellar tendonitis. It could also be a patellar fracture. It could be an ACL injury. Those are such different things that are that are managed so differently. Um, that I would say, use it, use it with a huge grain of salt. Sure. Um, now I would be completely insensitive to uh, a number of people and, you know, I've heard this, quite frequently is that, you know, that they can't afford to, to see a physician. Um, are there resources out there that you know of that can help people, uh, to, you know, to, to have an appointment and then get taken care of? Yeah. Um, the first thing I would say is, um, call around to the different offices. Um, I know that a lot of folks will have, um, financial assistance programs that, you know, are, are pretty, some of them are pretty good. Um, I know Part E has one, I know Mission has one, um, or HCA, um, Mayhec has one, um, I think maybe through Mission, but definitely call around and check, check with the doctor's offices. Don't just assume because you don't have, you know, a good paycheck right now or you don't have insurance that that's not something that, you know, to me, and this is a whole different conversation, healthcare is right, <laughs> but, uh, but I think that um, if you're looking for, you know, specific, you know, resources to help you um, for musculoskeletal problems um, that maybe you're looking for, like, maybe I can do some exercises at home for like my low back pain or, you know, and it's pretty nondescript. I think I would still recommend trying to get some sort of medical opinion, but if it's just like the run of the mill, like this has been hurting me for like 10 years and I just want to try something at home. Um, the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgery, so AAOS, has some really nice um, online PDF format um, exercises, that sets of exercises for pretty much every body part. They have ones for the low back, the neck, um, 
you know, wrists for carpal tunnel, um, ankle. Um, so they, that's a good resource. AAO, if you just Google AAOS and then the body part that you want to look at, we use those a lot in clinic, um, for home exercise programs. Um, that's, yeah. Yeah. And then the other one for specifically that I use a lot that is, um, pretty, uh, and all these have like really good picture, you know, cartoon pictures or actual pictures, and then a very detailed explanation of how to do them and then reps and number of time, you know, number of times per day or whatnot. Um, the other one is a uh, university of, let's see, Princeton university, um, ankle rehab program and for sprained ankles. Um, so if you have a sprained ankle that, you know, you've, you've had this before, it's been pretty manageable, but you just, you know, um, I would still recommend, you know, my waiver here is still recommend getting it looked at if you can, but if you're, you know, if you're at home and you're like, I don't have any other options, I need to rehab this ankle. You've iced it. You've taken ibuprofen. You're trying to get back to running or whatnot. Princeton university ankle rehab program is a really nice, if you just Google that, they have a really nice uh, rehab program. That's uh, very, very well um, depicted. Great. I'll add that to the show notes as well. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Um, what was the, what was your story? I have to hear this. <laughs> um, oh, I think you'll probably remember it actually. I, I, I was uh, a fellow, uh, this was at the shut-in in 2018 yeah. and, uh, we were covering, uh, the shut-in, which is, you know, I'm sure your listeners probably know what that is, but it's a 17.8 or 18 mile basically uphill race in, in, uh, um, in Asheville area up to Mount Pisgah. And it's, it's grueling. Um, and I, and I was just like walking around and driving that day <laughs> and, uh, we were at about the halfway mark and you and your dog were coming down yes. from, from the finish side. Yeah. And it, must, it must've been like nine o'clock in the morning or something like that. Maybe. And, and, uh, you know, Aaron Vaughn was there and he's like, Oh, this is Aaron Saft. He, you know, um, is, a, is the guy with foot RX and he, he's the runner that we've been talking about. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. Great. Great. What are you, where are you, what are you doing? Cause you were wearing your running stuff. And you're like, well, I'm a quick, a quick out and back. And I was like, Oh, what do you mean? Out and back. <laughs> you, were, you were running the shot in twice in one, in one day. Uh, and that's when I knew that I was, uh, I was out of my league. <laughs> Thinking about I was right. that's what you mean. You know I wasn't right. I was actually more concerned about your dog, but apparently he can take it. So. <laughs> oh yeah, Miles. Yeah, his name Miles for a reason. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's yeah, he's he's fantastic. No, and I was actually I had a bunch of uh, athletes running as well, so um, yeah. we were, um, I was checking on them too. Sure. No, that's right. I, I, I do remember because we I pulled into um, Ben Creek Gap is where yeah. you guys were um, yeah. down by the top. Um, yeah. So you remember that? Yeah. Yep. That's, that was a beautiful day. That was, uh, oh, it was gorgeous. And actually uh, the other story is actually about your wife. I don't know if she knows this, but um, actually I think I did tell her at one point, it was a meeting last year at party that I mentioned it to her. I was mountain biking with, I think Aaron and uh, one of the athletic trainers, Michael Hodge um, Hodges. And uh, <laughs> we were like finishing up the mountain ride in, uh, Pisca, and we passed her and Aaron was like, Oh, you know, that's Beth Saf. That's Aaron Saf's wife. She's a family medicine doctor. I'd already met you. He knew that. So I was like, Oh, cool. 
Hey Beth, how's it going? She was running with miles and, uh, and we finished the ride. Like we had another, I'd say at least mile after we saw her and we had like literally just gotten off our bikes and she popped out of the woods. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what? <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were We're on back back back. Back. <laughs> basically right behind the last mile or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're very fortunate to have a, a great backyard. You know, yeah. the, the, those trails are like three miles from our house, so it's oh it's really great. oh that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's such a great resource. Oh, um, well, Kyle, like that, it was it was great. That was a lot of fun. I uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being on and, and sharing all this information. I hope the listeners have a better perspective as to what um, osteopathic medicine is, and. Uh, yeah. Once again, we'll uh, we'll probably talk to you in the future and, and hit you with some uh, some hard questions. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'll be prepared next time for hard questions. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, um, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I'm sure we can arrange that through your through your notes. Um, and uh, um, I'm happy to to you know answer any questions that may come up. Sure. Uh, if they want to find you or reach out to you, um, best way to do so, look you up on the party website or. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, uh, my office is party family and sports medicine. It is right next to the Ingalls, um, uh, in Mills river, right on uh, Boylston highway and the intersection of Boylston highway and North Mills road as you're going into run or mountain bike. Um, and uh, yeah, you can look me up on Party website, and you'll uh, or just Google me, and you'll see the address and the phone number. Cool, great, yeah. So if anybody has any questions, they can they can reach out. <laughs> Thank you so much, Aaron. Really appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you so much. Once again, thank you, Kyle, for coming on here. Um, he's, uh, you know, he, he shared with us some some resources, and again, I'll put those in the show notes uh, as well as uh, some of the other things that I talked about in the intro. Um, it was a great conversation. Um, you know, one of my next guests is going to be um, Dr. Aaron Vaughn, who is an MD, but he is also a uh, sports medicine physician. We'll be talking about um, some of the things that uh, you know uh, MDs uh, have learned and. Uh, but also some of the uh, some of the current trends that we are seeing in um, in sports medicine today, and, and some things that can benefit all of us um, in in you know in our in our running and uh, dealing with injury, uh, you know, just current trends. We'll be talking about all of that, and uh, I'm also going to be talking again with uh, my physical therapist Miriam Saloum um, of the Runners Mechanic. We'll be talking about the Achilles tendon and the health of the Achilles tendon, how to keep it strong, um, you know, well, how to keep it uh, moving. And, and functioning properly, I should say. Um, so look forward to that conversation. Uh, and uh, next week I'll launch um, Aaron Vaughn's um, podcast. And then probably the following week I'll have uh, a little bit more of a, um, a chat and then I'll, I'll add in Miriam's conversation as well. So um, once again, guys, thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the, the podcast. Um, leave a review on Apple iTunes, if you would. That helps others. Um, if you can share it with some friends, uh, again, I, I sincerely appreciate the support. Uh, really, I'm enjoying this platform, enjoying you know um, learning myself and having these conversations. So 
thank you for this opportunity. Um, don't forget to follow me on Facebook, uh, MR Running Pains Coaching, um, and uh, as well as on Instagram, MR Running Pains, uh, my YouTube channel, Aaron Saft, and uh, let's see, uh, you, know, you can follow along on Strava again, um, follow along on my journey. Uh, again, I'm, I'm Aaron Saft on there, uh, and uh, it's Aaron Saft, MR Running Pains. So um, until next time, my friends, thank you for sharing this time with me, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.